my top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first-timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change-ups. The cast won't break up. Even with that million-dollar contract, show up a stand-up guy who's a stand-up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Mundane Festival Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lamberth, recording this episode for Sunday, October 8th, 2023. Remember, as always, you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. If you're really into this thing, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Give this show a five-star review. Let everybody know why you like it, because it's simply the right thing to do. And if you would like to take your love and appreciation of this show to an even deeper level, go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe. It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 679, I think. And I'm not alone. I have a very special guest. It's their first time on the show. I have the very lovely and talented Molly Brenner on the show. How are you, Molly? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I'm happy you're here. Super excited. Uh, We just met not too long ago at QED. And I don't like, I don't mean to start off so serious uh, with this podcast, but I know it's been, it's been about a week or so. Um, do I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you remember where you were when you found out that Taylor Swift was at Travis Kelsey's game last week? <laughs> you know, I actually am, don't follow Taylor Swift news as much as some other people do. I also don't follow football. Is that the you don't strike me, but it seems like it's it's everywhere. <laughs> it seems like we've been inundated with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey news. I just figured I'd I'd see what you thought about it. Wait, you're gonna have this is so embarrassing. You're gonna have to like catch me up. So Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, who is a football player. Yes. Wow, you are a you are an artist. Okay. You are. I like live under a rock a little bit. You are a Brooklyn artist. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I well, don't know, okay, you know so less about football that, or <laughs> That's totally fine. Because, uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, I, I, so following you on Instagram, looking at your stories, I think you were at a, yeah, were you at a dirty projector show? Was that you? I was. Yeah, I know. Okay. I, I really uh, fit. I don't know what stereotype it is, but I fit it. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. I just know I know of them. 
And I know that one of the guys used to be in Vampire Weekend. Oh, really? And he's the, and he's the brother of a filmmaker that did one of my favorite movies in the last like ten or so years. Sound of my voice is it? Is it? I know Zal Batmanglege. Is he still with? Is is his brother still with them? Oh, I don't know. Now you're I making me sound dumb. Was just like one guy, it's, and then some women who kind of like rotate in and out. Oh, really? Okay. I'm cool. not. A, I'm not sure. I know okay. that there's like one main guy. Oh, sure. I uh, thought this dude. Let me look him up. This is I do this on the podcast sometimes. They one guy. So it says. I guess maybe he's like. There's the main guy, David Longstreth. Yes, yeah, that guy. And then I guess he has like people that do stuff with him. Yeah. Like, okay, Ezra Koenig, who was also I think from Vampire Weekend. My my rock knowledge isn't that huge. My favorite people on that scene, my favorite artist is post to two thousands would be Saint Vincent, Annie. Clark. Oh, I love Saint Vincent. Yeah. I've I uh Shalewa Sharp and I have uh, dedicated a couple of episodes talking about her stuff. She's so cool. She is. Yeah. <laughs> She's the best. I, I the last the last time I saw her was at King's Theater and that was my first and only time at King's Theater in Brooklyn. And I didn't really like Mass Seduction as much as her other stuff, but I still had this like crazy like nirvana moment when she, while she was playing i was just like oh my god but yeah you don't strike me as that type of a taylor swift person but i just i think uh you know she's dating this dude possibly travis kelsey who's a famous football player is he does he play for the chiefs yes he does okay so i have picked up some some knowledge okay yeah she this is the first athlete she's dated right i think so I think so. Yeah. I don't she know that. finds yeah. boyfriends so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like she's like never single. Is that is it hard for you to find boyfriends or is it is that why you Definitely say Definitely harder than it seems to be for her. <laughs> oh, well she's yeah, well she's a multi-platinum. You're a talented comedian and actor, so I know, yeah, I wish it was worth more. <laughs> I, you know what? I wish it was worth more too. I, I went on a date with a woman a couple weeks ago and we were having fun. We were hanging out and she looked at my Instagram and she was like, I have more followers than you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm, I was like, I'm still good. <laughs> also, oh my God. She doesn't know that like, cause you know, when you see a comedian's Instagram yeah, and if they have very few followers, that means that like they're either really good. Like sometimes like the really great comedians like have very few followers. Yeah. I, yeah, I tried to adopt it. It was so funny because she was like, uh, she was just like, I am what I was like, yeah, but you're really beautiful. And <laughs> you have, I don't know what you know, you have a regular, you have a day job, but it's like you're really pretty. I'm I'm funny, but it's like it was just funny to me where she was just like. I have more followers than you. That is so harsh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And then, and then she, she, the funny thing was she, we were driving to the restaurant and she, she's like, oh, you're, 
She's like, you're, so you're a comedian. Oh, let me look. And she looked me up right, right on the spot on her phone. And we were, and I had to listen to like a, a bit that I had like from 10 Ooh. years ago. I was like, oh, it was still funny. I stand by the bit. It's a great bit. You're like laughing really hard at your own. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I'm, I'm not that. I'm good. not that much of a douche. Like that guy is pretty fucking good. <laughs> wow, who is that? No, I don't like that she did. I don't know how you felt about it. I don't like that she did that. I I understand that people might look me up like mm-hmm. on their own time, right? But I like to pretend that they're not doing that. Like right. I I want I don't want to know about it, and I don't want to hear about it. Sure. Yeah, that was the that was a first. Let yeah. me look you let me look you up. <laughs> well, she wasn't like a jerk about it, but and I I don't even know if she would be listening, but who cares, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. She that's what she did. But did it was you, Did you see her again? Uh we might see each other again. Like she said she I mean, she said and it was unprompted. Well, we were we were at the restaurant, we were eating, and she said, I, I like this. I definitely want to see you again and I, I want to do this again. So I don't I don't know. You never you never know. I, I took that as she had a good time. And mm-hmm. and I think sometimes you gotta chalk that up. I don't know. Like how do you cause sometimes I feel like I feel like men, we we drive the bus in some ways, and then and then you all do as well. I think there's like a yin, it's like a yin yang, and there's certain times where I think, you know, you all are in charge. How do, how do you feel about that? Hmm. Like about dating and just in general, like meeting hmm. new people and stuff. Wow, it's a it's a big question. Because <laughs> uh, you talk about that a lot in your act, like I yeah. Like, I don't think yeah, I think you did when we were at QED and then yeah. just looking looking at your clips and stuff. And I want to talk about your your shows, your one person shows and stuff. But yeah, just, but just now, like, what, what do you think? Right now, I am feeling very like fatigued on the dating app. Do you do the dating apps? Yeah. Hinge, yeah. Hinge Bumble and Tent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I. I'm also like a recruiter for my day job. So I like send messages to strangers like during the day. Okay. All day. Yeah. <laughs> and then to like get on the apps, it's like, okay, so send more messages to strangers. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty, I think I've just like grown a little tired of it. And I do feel it. Like, I don't know if you feel this, but like, I feel like there's like this, like a general sense of fatigue towards dating apps that like everyone's like very tired of them. And yeah. so people are like, less responsive on them and then it kind of like exacerbates the whole thing because like everyone's just like tired of not receiving responses i don't know right. so oh, change my mind about this change yeah. my mind yeah everyone's like I, yeah yeah it's like whoa that's a lot that's a lot to you know i could you know take you out have something to eat talk show you a good time but i don't know if I, how i can you can put all the try to put all this pressure on somebody to do that for you I know, I know. Yeah. Um, so I actually deleted them for a little bit, but I delete them a lot and then I'll like oh. read out them like a week later. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, I guess that's where I'm at is I'm like fatigued on the apps, but then it's like what I like about the apps is like they give you that sense of control of like, okay, I want to meet someone. Like all, all I have to do is like pull out my phone and like send messages. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have the dating apps, like you don't have the same 
control. Is it harder to, to meet in person or like if, like meeting somebody? I don't know. It just seems like after COVID, it's kind of been different when the way you meet people and mm-hmm. maybe maybe they're in friend groups or maybe they're in at your job. I mean, I've done that before. I don't I don't recommend it. But then, uh, but you but needed then, a coworker. Yeah, twice at one, wow. but but at two different coworkers or same coworker twice. Two, well, my one job, yeah, once, and then the 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 job that I'm not at anymore. It's not because I broke up with anybody, but she was like a, she was she was like a what do you call it an oh god an auditor. So like she wasn't oh, yeah. a real coworker per se. Oh, but, she, but wow, I met her. You did the auditor? Yeah. Wow, that sounds like. Well, I mean, that that needs to be audited. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. So we and so it was just kind of, but I don't, I don't recommend it. But at that last company, a lot of people were are dating there. They're married there, and it kind of the people that they're, they're couples, and people have been married for years, and there's extramarital shit that went on and it's like you kind of got i'm i'll tell you yeah you can't say but it was was like a big company uh kind not really like a Mm mid-sized company really really. everybody's like pairing off (laughs) yeah everybody uh you're like it's like musical chairs like the branch davidian of uh corporate america anyway but no it was it was um yeah, it was it was fascinating to me because a lot of those people were in situations with each other. I don't recommend that, but I think it's something just kind of happened naturally. But then you're around certain people all the time. So it's like it it makes sense. But then when it goes wrong, it's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was gonna date a coworker, we would have to get married. Like it <laughs> we couldn't break up like or one of us would have to like immediately leave the company yeah it's like i'll leave all right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's um it is it is hard and then it's i think it's almost an off mic question that i don't i think yeah i probably should ask that off mic after Mm -hmm. we finish recording yeah anyway i'll so it's like it's almost like it's easy it's uh, people feel like they have even more options than they do to where i think maybe maybe women do maybe on your side i I remember i was listening to a podcast where women it was a dating podcast and the woman was saying yeah i have like 300 people that liked me so i have to i'm going through and i'm just now getting to certain Mm. people so it's i think it seems like you guys have more I guess I feel like, well, in New York, I think that there are more women than men. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel like I this might just be like an idea in my head. I think it is true. I feel like mo- fewer men are like looking for a long term relationship hmm. than women than are than there are women who are looking for a long term relationship. Why do you say that? I feel like, uh. I feel like there, or maybe this is just my perception, but I feel like there are more men who are like looking to like casually date or hook up and mm. fewer men who are looking to like settle down or like get married or something or like long-term relationship. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I could be wrong. It, I don't think you're, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like just culturally 
it's not like it, for me, it doesn't seem like you're totally off the mark, but I just wanted to know why you thought that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I feel like I see fewer men who are looking for that. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to really know. Like, I think everyone always like feels like they're in the worst position. <laughs> like everyone's Because yeah, like, it's all relative and you're the yeah. protagonist in your own. Yeah. I, I yeah. feel that way sometimes too. And I think maybe the right person unlocks that. Like I, it was something I probably should have said when I was on a date with a woman who was divorced. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went on three dates and it, it didn't end up not working out, but she, she said to me, when we first talked on the phone, she said, I'm looking for a husband. And I was like, okay, do you, you want to go get something to eat first? See if we, <laughs> see if we like each other. And that kind of calmed her down and we talked or whatever. But I remember her saying to me on the second date, she said, what, what makes you think you'd be a good husband? So what makes you, and I should have, and I, and I said, I think, oh, I think I'm a good guy. But I said something like, uh, I think the right person, I said something that was uh, appealing to her enough to go out on a third date, but asked. <laughs> yeah. And she, and she was, and, but what I should have said is the, I think the right person will unlock those things. I mm-hmm. think you really, if you really listen to yourself, I think. Yeah. I think but I don't know. I've never been married, but I, I, I just think, I think that's, that's a thing. Yeah. That's my hope is that like, they're like, cause on first dates, I often have a hard time, like quote unquote, being myself, you know, like I think it can be Your hard. representative shows up. Yeah. The representative shows up, which I think is a common thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you feel like you're performing a little bit. I do think that must be common on first dates. Speak but on I'm that. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Speak, speak on that as a woman. Cause I, yeah, I yeah. want to hear this. I have, yeah. I always feel like I'm like performing a little bit on first dates that I'm like, this person's gotta like me, you know, when like, that's not really like what it's about. Like you're looking for a match for someone. Mm-hmm. You're not looking to get somebody to like you. You're looking to like uncover a connection with someone. That's true. Um, I mean, what do I know? I have not been married either, but yeah, I feel like, but my hope is that with the right person, I won't feel that way. That's true. Yeah. And I think there's some women that I've met like recently where it's, she kind of, she kind of talked like my therapist in a lot of ways mm-hmm. where, where I'm, I'm talking about something. And then she said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that about yourself or you oh, should like said something negative about yourself. Yeah. Not, yeah. Like not like super negative. Like I hate myself. <laughs> and I'm crying on the date, but it's like, it's like, uh, she said, no, you're actually, you're actually doing a lot. Or, you know, she, she was just <laughs> like, like really complimentary of something that I may have been passive about. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Or just kind of like, um, indifferent or just kind of like, no, it's actually, you should be more positive. And I was like, oh, cause I think that's what you want in a partner too. That kind of builds you up a little bit. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, oh, I just met this person. She seemed like, all right, well, you know, that is something that I like about, well, I don't know how you felt about that. That seems nice to me, but like, that's something I like about first dates, even if it doesn't go anywhere is like, 
I always feel like I take something away from it. Like, yeah, I'll, like I'll learn something about like what they do or like we'll have some sort of like something will come from it. Usually like I've had somebody say something similar to me on a date where I've been like, oh, like I don't feel like I uh, have perseverance or whatever. And he was like, actually, it sounds like you have a lot of perseverance. <laughs> uh, I was like, thank you. You want another drink? <laughs> I think you, I think you totally have like a lot. You have so. so much perseverance. <laughs> I actually think you're overflowing with perseverance. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, I kind of I'm kind of kicking myself that I haven't been doing it enough because I've been focusing just dating, just like I know, same. I feel like I've been focusing so much on my career and like. Mm-hmm my day job and like just really trying to not necessarily make it but i want to make it but it's like i've like my dad passed away almost two years ago oh, and the one sorry. thank you thanks and in one of the the last conversations that i had with him he asked me was i happy and i said yeah you know everything that i my listeners know this but everything that i wanted to do as a kid i'm doing it i've done it but mm-hmm. i want to go further so it's like, I am happy with that, but it's like, I should have been doing other stuff too. Like I shouldn't mm-hmm. have totally pushed that aside, you know? So yeah, that's kind of, and then if there a relationship happened, if the, it would be like, oh, this is cool. Wow. Why haven't I been doing this? And then the, it doesn't work out. Then I'm like, I'm focusing on this. Yeah. It's going to focus on my craft. Yeah. I do the exact same thing where I'm like, yeah, because like, yeah, it's like I'm doing all the things that I want to be doing, but it's never enough. You know, it's like you always yeah. want to go further. Like you're always like, wait, no, I just need to get there. I just need to get there. And it's like it never I think I'm it's finally setting in for me. It's like it never ends. Like right. It, there's never like I'll never be like, I've finished. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, which I think I used to like in the back of my mind actually think. I would experience that at some point, like when I was younger. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely, that's like my biggest focus right now is like balancing yeah. my life and like, and really, yeah, really like trying to feel a sense of balance. And, but yeah, I know I have not been dating either, but I think that's the thing about dating apps too, is like they make dating into a job and I'm just like, I can't have another <laughs> job. I'm like, no, yeah. no more tasks. It's true. Yeah, it does. It does. It does feel like a job, but it's a it's a fun one. Like it should be like I'm I'm thinking it should be exciting to go meet somebody new. But there's also like nerves. And I definitely I definitely feel like the performance aspect of it. And you kind of pick yourself apart after it happens. And I and I had a bit have a bit that I'm working on that that's about like doing the forensics or just like a autopsy on a a date or relationship that didn't work out whatever it was Mm -hmm. or wherever and you you just try to pick it apart and you say i said this and this thing you know it's just yeah it's um it's not even it's really i want to live a life worth commenting on to be an artist to to, you know to be type of comic Mm -hmm. that i want to be and i kind i see that in you i want to get into more of that but what i want to I want to know, we do origin stories for the first time when somebody's mm-hmm. on for the first time. Where did it start for you, Molly? Mm-hmm. Was comedy? It, 
just no, no life Bay Area, mm-hmm. right? Well, I was born in Cleveland, uh, okay. and then when I was six, my family moved to the Bay Area. So yeah, I okay. mostly grew up in the Bay Area, but I'm like also from Cleveland. Okay, what did what did your what your what do your parents do? My well, they're they're retired now. My mm-hmm. dad uh, worked in that's why we moved to the Bay Area because my dad worked in software. Oh, okay, uh, and uh, my mom is a poet mm. writer. Yeah. That's cool. So when you decided, well, we'll get we'll get to that. But what what were you like as a kid? Did you have brothers, sisters, or only child? What what's going on there? What's the family dynamic? I have an older sister, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I was just like, I think moving was like hard for me. It's probably why I'm a comedian <laughs> mm. <laughs> because we moved, and I had to like. Uh, yeah, the the switch of schools was hard. I think it made me really shy. Oh yeah, and then like because we switched schools, like I ended up skipping a grade like after a year oh. in California, so I skipped second grade. So then I like started over again. Um, so I I think that made me really shy. I was just, like very shy and quiet as a kid. Um, so yeah, I didn't start doing comedy until like a couple years after college. I like never would have. I like had a horrible, like horrible fear of like public speaking in school and like stage fright. So co- college and, but, and also like you, I mean, I've seen your web series, your human resources and your act, like even just oh, wow, even this, for watching. <laughs> it's really good. It's I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's, it's, it's good. Uh, your acting's really good. Did you do that in, in elementary school, junior high, high school, any plays? No, I didn't do anything like that. Really? I, no, I, in fact, I was, I remember actively thinking like I could never do it, like being like, uh, which probably reflected my inner desire to do it. Uh, mm. But I did have this childhood best friend who I was really like silly with. And we used to like film, we used to like just kind of like improvise and like film each other and like do little skits and stuff. Uh, so I think that's like what got me interested in comedy was like doing that, like with her, mm-hmm. uh, but no, mostly I was a dancer growing up. I was a mediocre dancer <laughs> growing up. Like ballet or what kind of? Uh, yeah. Ballet, uh, jazz, lyrical, uh, in college I did like, you know, very like, uh, modern dance too. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to college? Vassar college. Okay. In- Oh, in Poughkeepsie. Yeah. That's right. It is in Poughkeepsie. You ever have you ever done uh Laugh It Up in Poughkeepsie? No, I haven't even heard of it actually. Really? It's fun. It's a fun club. It's it's um we'll talk about it another time. Yeah, yeah. but um okay. Okay, yeah. So you did you study dance there or I I just like I was in the dance company there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was one of the worst members in Vassar Repertory Dance Theater. Why, why do you say that? Why do you say <laughs> because that? Because I was like in the back for I was in like I was cast in like very few pieces, and I was like in the back. I couldn't like count music. Like I just had a really hard time like counting. I now know that I probably have ADHD. I think that may have like affected my ability to like learn the choreography and like stay on the music. Looking back now. Um, but I mean, that was part of shyness too. I was just like very, 
very shy. Uh, but I did love dance. I just had a hard time like doing it under pressure. Sure. Yeah. Well, because the acting, like I just noticing, like, I think I might have seen, I think I might have seen human resources first. And you had Anna Suzuki in there, which she's Love really her. terrific. Yeah. Uh, I think that might be my favorite one. That might that might be my favorite episode. Anyway, watch everybody watch Molly's uh YouTube channel, uh Human Resources. Um I noticed one of your one of your act outs that was really good. It was about the getting an orgasm from a guy and don't not lying, not lying about it. Oh, the truth. don't fake it. Yeah. Don't fake the yeah. orgasm. And it's just like those act outs were really strong. And so to, for you to, and yeah. then for, for me to see that and your web series, it's like, Oh, you didn't really have any like formal training. If not any formal training, you weren't even in plays and stuff. No, I was never in plays. Um, I, after college, like a year or two after college, I started doing improv. That's like, okay. when I, I was like a hardcore improviser. Where, where'd you study? I started in Boston. I lived in Boston or in Cambridge after college. So oh. I started at Improv Boston and I um, did it there for a while. And then, then I moved to New York after like a couple of years there, but I was, yeah, I was like super into improv. So I guess okay. I like. And then I I took a couple acting classes like around that time. Okay. So you definitely got your chops from somewhere. Okay. (laughs) Not not, not like me who was in debt for who's in debt for all this shit. Oh, yeah. You went to school for acting, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went. I still had the talent, though, but I just. Yeah. (laughs) I just went. It was it was just the um, a lot of people that I liked, admired, had gone to postgraduate school. And uh, I figured I wanted to be like, if I get it, got in front of these people one day that I wouldn't poop the bed, you know, Yeah. where, where it's like, it's not going to be my fault. This shit doesn't work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so yeah. it, it, it helped me grow up in a lot of ways too, because I went, my undergrad was 90 minutes from my parents. Uh, and then I moved to Chicago so undergrad was at Mount St. Mary's college in like Maryland. Uh, and I moved, I went to Chicago and studied and that was like another time zone away. So it helped me grow up a lot and then just really focus on, on getting good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And being, a, and, and then for the first time, really, I think, I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, but I probably have, it's been 10 years since I'm doing this shit, but like, being around people that like to do the same thing that I like to do, mm-hmm. you know, that shared the same interests. So it was really, I mean, I remember being in school in college undergrad with other people in the drama club, the scene, the upperclassmen like, Hey, what are you going to do when you leave? Are you going to move to New York or LA? Like, I'm going to work at my dad's restaurant. I was like, Oh, all right. And it'd yeah. be like, they're not going to, they're not going to have anything to do with performing after they leave so i I was around people that were passionate about getting better and learning and stuff so that was good yeah yeah that i feel like is something that's so unique about new york is like being around so many people who are passionate about it and take it really seriously yeah who and people who are like 
you know, believe they either already are making a career out of it or believe that they can. And like you, yeah, that, that was a big shift for me when I moved here. Okay. So you were in Boston and what was the scene like there? What was the scene like after just, just being there for a couple of years, what was it like for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's much smaller, obviously. And like, I liked that aspect of Like I liked feeling like I was part of like a smaller community, like a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was good for me there. Cause like I got on a team, like <laughs> this is like in the improv world. <laughs> um, so I got on a team there like fairly quickly and that I think was like really big for me because I was like so terrified every time because I still had like horrible stage fright then. And so it was like every time I went to do improv, it was like the biggest deal. <laughs> and I'm like so nervous. And just to like cross over a threshold, just to be like to go for like I just remember like first going to a show there and being like, I want to be up there. And like mm. And to actually like cross over that threshold and like get on a team. Like I think I'm glad I had that experience before I moved here. Cause like, it's such a longer road here. I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess now things have changed with like social media and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that was like just a little boost of confidence for me. That was yeah. good. It's still, you know, yes, social media has can accelerate things, but I still feel like, there's nothing like doing it like doing the craft on stage in front of a live audience i've every show i mean i've been doing stand-up for almost 15 years and i had a show at a college over the weekend i was so nervous yeah there were i'm 43 and those kids are not 43 yeah and i said to myself like how am i gonna relate yeah you know so i just i opened with that and then i just said i'm just gonna talk to i'm just gonna do my act it was like a family parents weekend and there were freshmen maybe some upperclassmen but it was it was i i I fucking killed it but it was just still like (laughs) nice i was nervous i was nervous and i always have those like those jitters before a show i don't think i think if those go away i think you should quit yeah, I know when I don't, well, I feel like you probably have done shows where you weren't nervous and it's like kind of not a good feeling. Like, yeah, like, like I like to have some jitters. Yeah. Yeah. When you like don't care at all, it's like, why am I even here? Like, yeah. Like it's, it's like, it's all, it's like, and it's, it's the, also, the, it's also the thing of not caring in the right way. Like mm-hmm. you want to do it you and you want to do a good job. It's like, it's the butterflies, just the anxiety, mm-hmm. just not, not necessarily, Oh my God, I'm gonna, but it's just that anticipation about, I mean, it's what, it's what like, it's like you come alive because I, I know like you, I, I know in your act, you talk a little bit on your TikTok, you talk about having a day job and what that is, what it can be. And then to try to be excellent, for the 15 or the 45 minutes or an hour however you're on stage whatever length is that striving to be excellent you know yeah yeah that's something that I like struggle with because 
striving too much to be excellent can like that is usually the thing that'll make me worse Ooh, um yeah yeah because like it's not good when like the goal is to like be excellent like the goal is to like get better it's like hone your sure. craft or whatever but it's like whenever i'm like striving for greatness it's always been like <laughs> very bad <laughs> That's when I come up with like my worst idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but at the same time, it's like it's very exciting to like have something that you like care about getting really good at. Yes. And I and I know like years ago and on the scene, and I noticed like coming up because I started in New York and and it was just like this thing where it's like, oh, I don't care. I don't yeah. care. Like to try to act like you don't care with your act. It's like to me, it's like, are you serious? Like, yeah. I, it's not like I'm not. I want to. I want to do well. I want to kill, but I want to. I want to make sure I execute. I mean, I think I, I'm a theater person, so it's like you have your scripts and you're trying to fulfill the given circumstances and fulfill the demands that your character has. And even it's just a even with stand up, it's a different. You're trying to fulfill the demands of your text. Mm-hmm. and and that's what i'm trying to do it's like yeah you want to be great but it's like it's like you have to um you gotta give a shit mm-hmm. you know yeah. I, I that that never that never what is it is it jived with me the that kind of movement where some people kind of, i don't know if you encountered that but where people just like i don't care i'll I'll bring my notes on. I mean, if you guys laugh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Some of that was in the Brooklyn scene um, early on, like a long time ago. I don't know if it is now. I'm in Brooklyn more. It didn't seem like it when I did your show last month. Seemed yeah. like everybody kind of gave a shit. Yeah. Definitely as an audience member, like when I talk about this with my friend a lot, that's like, whenever I feel like my time is being disrespected, like no matter, yeah, yeah. I, like, it can look at it, it can take on a lot of different forms. But when I feel like I am being, when I'm like, when my time's being wasted, I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't, I don't always mind when people like bring their notes. Out. I mean, I, I've done that before, but like, it's when they just like, I don't know. I, I'm not articulating this well. Say but, it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, like, just say it. Yeah, it's like when yeah, when my time feels like disrespected. Um I don't know. Yeah, it's there's something like watching somebody who like you can tell like work went into what like when you can like see the work and the effort. Mhm. Yeah, I mean I I think I don't know. It's just like it's so hard. It, I don't know how it it's hard to get stage time and um quality stage time i always go with quality not necessarily quantity because sometimes Mm -hmm. the quantity can be like what some shows are just like why did i even just do this but anyway it's like you do have to i think you have to you have to give a shit in order for it to not necessarily like fame it's success i'm just talking about the simple practicing being a practitioner of the craft to to really like drive your point home you mm-hmm. have to you have to give a shit yeah that's something that i think can be like tough in stand up cuz like every, with stand up it's like you get on stage so many times sometimes like 
the show right in front of you, you can be like, yeah, well, it's one show. It's like yeah. you have to like care every time and be like, right. and think about your set every time and like listen to it every time. And it's like, it's, it's hard to remember that like all the little, every little show adds up, like yeah. every, every little instance adds up. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a video game nerd in a lot of ways. I don't get to play as much as I like, but it's almost like these, I don't know if you're if you're familiar with role playing games, like, like, ever, like a I don't know, like I don't want to ask how old you are. Uh, I don't know how women are like with that. Some are, but like I don't you know Dungeons and Dragons or like or is it, are you talking about video games? Kind of like a vid, like a like a like a Legend of Zelda or like um, like a video game where you have this character and you start off you you're not you're not great. You're at level one. Mm. But oh then, yeah, I used to play Legend of Zelda okay. Ocarina of Time for N64. Okay, okay. But I used to just, I was too scared to battle the monster at yeah. level one. So I used to just run around the bushes and collect coins. <laughs> Stage fright even in video games, huh? There was literally no point to what I was doing. It was anyways. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Well, it's like that. Like if you're Link... And you you start off at level one, and then you keep when you you keep playing, you defeat certain monsters and enemies. You grow, you evolve, and like you get you keep getting better and better each time. And you and it just makes you stronger. It makes you a stronger artist. Makes you a stronger performer. So that that's that's what I mean. Like I I yeah. just remember like I remember doing this show in Troy, New York, and it was a bar show. And there was this place that just specialized in mini sliders and it was loud. <laughs> it was good too. It was, it was called, it was called sliding dirty, sliding dirty. That's a really New- great detail. Yeah. I was performing at a place that specialized in mini sliders. <laughs> you proud of me, mom and dad? <laughs> uh, you did say that on I have to, I'll send you a picture of me in front of the poster that I did for that show. It's on my Instagram. But anyway, so I remember, so I don't think the people who were at the bar that night knew there was going to be a show, even though there's always great. Yeah. The gorilla (laughs) shows. Like, I mean, if you haven't. Are you really a comic if you haven't done a gorilla show? Yeah. When you like feel bad for doing comedy. Yeah for doing the thing that you love and imposing it on somebody i did a valentine's day show once in a bar where i don't think the comedy is not sexy no it's not it's not (laughs) i don't think that there should be any shows on well some people take dates though to shows yeah but like valentine's i don't know so i was doing this show and i was closing the show out and it was just the crowd was just and each comic kind of just chipped away chipped away at this crowd that was kind of unruly and then i got up there and i said this is my this is my room now i was just at that point this was like six or seven years ago but it was just like i was at that point where i had to be i had to affirm my position what is that is that right i had to i had to say like okay this is we're doing this i'm Mm -hmm. not gonna i'm gonna yeah, it was just one of those it was one of yeah. those like capstone moments, one of those like 
career defining moments where I'm not going to get a sitcom for it, but it was just like in my personal growth as a comedian, that made me feel good. Like that was another level up. I feel like I leveled up that night. Yeah. Well, I do feel like that is such a metric is when you can go into a room like that and like grab the room, like Mm -hmm. that, like, Cause like anyone can kill in front of like a hot crowd that's like right. laughing for everyone. But it's like, obviously the rooms like that where like nobody even wants to be there <laughs> and you can like <laughs> turn it into like, yeah, that is such a, I mean, it's one of the most challenging things. Have you ever had, can you, can you like kind of point out, I call them my last episode that I posted was um the one this week. Currently I call them my Al Bundy polk high moments i don't know if you're familiar with married with children are you oh my god you're uh, you must be super young but anyway it's one of those moments where like like i've I've heard of it i haven't seen it okay if you're if you're um al bundy was this character uh married with children was this show about a guy who used to worked in a shoe store he really doesn't like his life he's married he's got a couple kids and he always kind of Every now and then he'll reflect about his time at Polk High. He was a running back and he scored four touchdowns in one game. So that was like his like when I say Polk High moments, I said, I remember this time when I did this play. It was 1998 and I was a senior, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, bye bye, birdie. Anyway, (laughs) so like this was where am I going with this? God, I fucking. I'm, I've rambled so much that I'm, I'm mini slider this. place, mini slider place. Uh, one of those moments. Have you Molly Brenner had moments like that, that you say, wow, I did that. I can't believe I did it. I got through it. I asserted myself. I conquered this beast. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know I have. I'm trying to think like, um, well, my first, I had, two, this is like early on, my very first open mic. Mm. Um, I, this is back when I had horrible stage fright. Um, it, I took a stand-up class when I lived in Boston. That was like how I started stand-up. Okay. And so we had to like write five minutes for the class. And the teacher was like, you have to go to an open. We were doing like final class showcase. And he was like, you have to go to an open mic at least once before the showcase. <laughs> and so I like went to this open mic and, but I went to this one that was like, it was like endless. Like they didn't cap the list. Oh God. And he said, the teacher said, he was like, if you can make it through this open mic, like you can make it through anything. He was like, it's really hard. And I don't know why I went to it, but I went to it. And like, it. so I, was so far down the list. So I had to like sit there for hours, like terrified. Like I was like shaking. I thought about leaving. Like it was like just really high, like very intense nerves and everyone's bombing. So like I watched people bomb for like hours. Mm-hmm. It was like so awful. And it was also one of those mics where like people, there were like really like offensive comedians that were just like saying things. We were just like, Oh my God, like you need help. <laughs> like, sure. Um, and then I like went up and I just like did really well. Like I just remember like 
doing really well and like um just being like shocked when my first joke landed and it was just like a very like I think it like gave me the confidence to like keep going uh I don't I think if that if like my first experience of doing it hadn't gone well I don't know if I would have kept performing Hmm. Um, yeah no that's that's real I mean I yeah I think I my first open mic was it was at New York Comedy Club. No, it was either at no, it was at this place called Comics that doesn't exist anymore. It was on 14th and 9th in Meatpacking. And they had the uh, headliner showroom. And then they had like this basement room near the next to the bathroom. And then that's where the open mics were every week. And I did that one. And it went, it was like, I did all right. Yeah. And I yeah. won the little raffle. And they're like, oh, you should come back. So, yeah. Yeah. You got it. You got any other ones? Um, the, I, when I first wrote a solo show, I, um, I wrote a show about how I had never had an orgasm and that's where I wrote that, that joke for. This is Uh, I'm I'm coming. Yeah. The first iteration was called Molly Brenner is not coming. Oh shit. Okay. (laughs) Because I I thankfully had to update it. Okay. Um, Okay. But that was something that I, that was like the first like longer like piece that I had written. Okay. It was a half hour. Uh, And it was the first like, um, that was like pretty early on in comedy. And so it was like more personal than like other stuff that I'd written and performed. And that was something that I was extremely nervous for too. And it went Mm -hmm. so well. And like, that was one of my favorite definitely one of my favorite comedy memories and like also one of my favorite memories period and you took and you took that around you took that uh globally right yeah i like toured the molly brenner is not coming around uh for a little while and then i wrote the longer like updated version called i'm coming okay. <laughs> and i so yeah i eventually took that to edinburgh the fringe festival what was that like doing it how many times did you do it out there I think like 20, 22 or 23. Wow. It was a lot, maybe 25. I don't know. So yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, that festival is pretty brutal. (laughs) It's like so much work and it's so nonstop, but it was like, it, I'm really glad I went. It was, it was hard. Speak on that a little bit. Like like yeah. the things that you have to do. I remember Hannibal Burris put out uh, a piece or video of him doing it. Obviously, I think he had more, a lot of financial backing when he did it because <laughs> he was famous at the time. But I remember just seeing all these other people like promoting that you have to promote your show on your mm-hmm. own, right? And and what what does yeah, it entail? You have to like, well, you do your show every day for mm-hmm. a month. Basically. And uh, you have to, yeah, unless you're famous and your show like sells out on its own or whatever, you have to flyer people into your show every day, which is really like you just have to have such thick skin for it because like people will like, it's just really degrading. You know, you have to like stand on the street, like, mm-hmm. I mean, like comedy show about, about orgasm and like people people can be mean to you sometimes and you have to do that like right before your show yeah every day so you're like out on the street and then you have to like hop on stage and do your show uh and there's so there's just, like so much competition 
competition, you know, because it's right. like thousands of shows there. Um, but yeah, it's basically like it's like a boot camp. Like it's like putting yourself through a boot camp for a month. And yeah. then, oh, again, you also are like getting reviewed. So you have to like, which like we as comics don't we don't usually read reviews of ourselves like mm. unless so, you're famous and like you know like and i don't know um so yeah you have to like and then you also get audience reviews um so yeah it's just like it's very like it's like once it starts it's like you're like on a roller coaster that you don't get off of for a month sure so you come back battle tested yeah yeah <laughs> What is it like putting something together like that? Is there, in your mind, is there a, a difference between putting something together for a solo show as opposed to just doing an hour in a club or something like that? Is there mm-hmm. a difference to you? Yeah, they feel really different to me. Like a solo show, I feel like you're usually starting from like a, a message or a story like one common thread that you like you're you're often like not really starting with comedy like you're starting with a story or a takeaway or something and stand up i feel like you're starting you're just thinking about joe like you're obviously like threading it together and like um like you are thinking about it as like a cohesive hour but like the yeah they feel really i don't know to my brain it feels very different to like work on jokes versus like work on um like a thinking about like the larger architecture of something mm, yeah because i was wondering about that because like like how do you determine what stays in what stays out and you're running and i know you had if i if i'd have known you earlier i would have come to see inhibited which was your your latest piece that you're working on right that you have worked on that was like um uh i was putting up like a new material that Mm -hmm. will hopefully become a solo show but yeah and it was just kind of the name that i gave that okay yeah so what is like how do you determine like even if something is funny like Mm -hmm. the the don't the don't lie to guys Mm -hmm. about orgasm how do you know that stays? Is 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 it? I'm asking. Is it? Is there more to to it than just like it's funny, mm. or is it? Is it something else that like allows that to stay in the hour in the show? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I feel like I'm still like figuring out very much. Is like how to decide when something stays or goes. Mm. Yeah, I usually try to be. Um, I mean, thoughtful about, like, if something, uh, fit, yeah, if it, like, fits the theme, if it, like, fits the momentum, like, because I feel like with a, a solo show, like, you have to kind of, like, keep it moving toward, you know, the main event, uh, yeah. and it's, like, with too many, like, tangents and, a, and, like, side jokes or whatever, you can kind of, like, confuse the audience or like kill the momentum so i guess i try to think about that sure um, okay yeah i feel like it usually works better for me to think about the joke second and like 
the story first, but I'm still very much figuring it out. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Cause I, the last solo show I've seen, it was, uh, Alison Libby's, uh, Oh God, a show about abortion. Oh and yeah. I, saw, I wanted to see that. And I saw it when she was running it at cherry lane and it was really good. And I, I enjoyed it. And I was, when I was talking to her after the show and she was on the show, last year after she had uh, finished that run and she was just, I was saying, you know, that, I mean, that, that works is just an hour too. Mm-hmm. You know, some of that stuff kind of goes hand in hand. Um, so I was just, I was wondering like what your take on that was that, that is cause I, I, I go, I'm thinking about that too, not necessarily doing a solo show, but just recording. Like I have an album that was just kind of, piece together because i thought we were all gonna die in 2020 so, <laughs> yeah. so i wanted something with a barcode and it, it was a and it was just kind of like a poor man's version of uh chris rock's kill the messenger where i was like oh this bit i did at in atlantic city this bit was at the dc improv and i made mm-hmm. you know an album or whatever but i was thinking about that with like um just a a long set doing a long set recording it and what's staying in what's going to stay out because that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Yeah. And that's where I feel like everyone's different. Like some, some shows like, yeah, like everyone like falls in a different place on like the stand up and storytelling yeah. spectrum and like the comedy and drama spectrum. So I guess, I guess there are no right answers, but yeah, for me, like it, I feel like usually my work is better when like whenever i'm like working on a longer piece i feel like it usually helps mm. me to think about the joke second mm, that's a good way to look at it yeah i think it's always good i think in general i don't know in life maybe is to be kind of always working towards something i think that's how mm-hmm. i've you know I've, i'm not just not to say that i'm i'm always on the ball because i'm not <laughs> <laughs> but I like that's why f- I always do it right. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I'll I'm, I'll say on the podcast because I think what attracted me to your work is is that it's personal and that that's a that's kind of a taste thing with me. And it's not that I'm not that I can't look at somebody with one liners and say it's not funny. But I think after that person's done, after they leave the stage, it's like oh, I kind of have an idea about who that person is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's what just something that as a as somebody who who's not just a practitioner but somebody who loves the craft is like oh i know who molly is a little bit when she's done with her set yeah well yeah thank you for saying that i that's what i really like as an audience member too is when i feel like i'm like watching a real person and i'm like learning about them and like they're being vulnerable. Like, yeah. And that's why I, (laughs) I always remember your joke about like, am I doing life right? Like always think about that. I'm like, what are the answers? (laughs) Like, am I what I'm doing right now? And I think that's what we do. I think that's what we do is sound like a douche, but fuck it. We do that as artists. (laughs) Yeah. We're constantly pondering these things. I remember like Mark Marin said one time, like, I have a hard time calling myself an artist. I was like, you're a fucking artist, Mark. But I think that's <laughs> just I think we tend as comedians kind of 
tend to like downplay some of the stuff we do and and mm-hmm. but um that being said though it's like how do you how do you feel about the Hassan Minaj situation about mm. how hit like about how he you fabricated you know some of that material in his last two specials yeah yeah, it's such an interesting question because it's like obviously every comedian fabricates stuff. Mm-hmm. And um he's like kind of getting called out for like crossing the line, which then the question is like, yeah, where is the line? Because it's like yeah. we're all fabricating stuff all the time. But yeah, I guess I don't tell any stories that like where like the whole story didn't happen to me yeah. but i also like i just wouldn't be able to perform it well <laughs> I just mm, like yeah I, like, right. that's like what kind of drives me as a performer is like i just can't tell a story that never happened to me yeah <laughs> i don't know what about you well i i talked about it and i i, I don't i don't like it molly mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> because yeah. i saw it i saw that special I saw uh, Homecoming King. You saw it live. I didn't. Oh, you saw it live? No, I was asking if you saw it live. Oh, no, I saw it on Netflix. And okay, yeah, me too. And I was like, holy shit, that's good. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one man show territory. And I remember telling a friend, I said, if he doesn't do anything else, he's got one right there. Yeah. Because it was emotionally compelling. You're rooting for the guy. Uh, It's very vulnerable and all that and I, I thought his his second it was his second one was fine it was good but it wasn't as good as homecoming king and then to find all that out i was like oh that's a, I, I look at him different i look at him differently i look at him askance if you will <laughs> and so i just i just like i it, it rubbed me the wrong way to find that out um and it's not i don't think he should be banished or anything i mean nothing happened to steve ran is easy nothing happens to to people like that i think his audience will decide he's got a strong fan base he's touring now there's stuff that's you know he's selling out so but i i i just think when you do it a certain way if you purport yourself to say this happened to me this happened to me shit i did your show last month and i talked about my dad dying i was working on a bit and uh, these women after the show, I, g- I gave them, I gave one of them my drink ticket because I'm a gentleman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, one of the girls said, oh, we liked your set and then blah, blah, blah. And this lady said, oh, did your dad really die? I was, And I said, no, he's, he's totally alive. I was like, uh, yeah, he died. He's gone. That's funny because I feel like some audience members assume that absolutely everything you say is true. And yeah. then some audience members are like, did your dad really die? Yeah. Like, like, why would you ever make up your dad dying? Yeah. Like, why would you even be motivated to do yeah. that? <laughs> I had a weird dream this morning about having Mexican food with him and his my uncle, who's also who died eight months before he did. And it, it, I mean, like, it's like, you can't, it's like, why would you lie about that? Yeah. There's just no reason. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like stupid audience member, but it's like, yeah, 
you know, yeah. like I, I, that that's and that's why when I when I I'll, I'll always say it douchey. I'll say the way I do comedy is, you know, it's because <laughs> it happened to me. Yeah. You know, like you you're it's like I'm I'm trying to like like with you when I'm done with uh, when I finish, well, I kind of got an idea of who that guy is or that thing happened mm-hmm. to me. And like one of those like leveling up moments, because I think sometimes as you, I think we want to connect. I think that's the thing that we mm-hmm. most, most yeah. want to do. I want with, like cathars- yeah, catharsis and yeah. connect. Yeah. yeah. And so I was at Cobra club a couple weeks ago and I was working on some material and I, I had fun. I had a good set and I was like, okay. Cause like Bushwick, have you done Cobra Club? You probably did it before. I actually haven't. I, okay. So, did you do live from outer space? Yes, live from outer yeah, space. I, yeah. yeah, I um I haven't performed there in a long time. Okay, so I hadn't either, and it was and so I was I was doing that show and it was like Bushwick is like kind of those places where it's like that's the new Williamsburg now. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yeah. crazy. It's young people. And to have those to connect with those young people by not trying to be that Steve Buscemi meme, it's mm-hmm. like it's like that felt good. That that felt really yeah. good. Where it's like, okay, I'm on to something, and like that's what I mean. Where it's like if you're if you're pulling something out, pulling something out of yourself, you want you that's what you want. And for for to find out that somebody who did a who what we thought did a great job of of mining his soul was just alive. And it's like, as a fan, I'm just like, damn, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a level of fabrication that I imagine is rare. I guess now it also makes me wonder if there are other people with solo shows who are like, Oh no! Like, are they going to find out I made up? <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, if it, if they're up for the Daily Show, yeah, yeah. Mm. But I was going to ask you because I was talking to someone a little while ago who I think read like Kevin Hart's book or something, and I guess okay. which I haven't read, but I, I guess haven't. in the book he talks about how he when he was like earlier in comedy, he used to like fabricate whole story, like wild stories, mm. and like do really well with them or something. And then this comedian who was like more experienced than him was like, you need to stop doing that. Um, and now I guess I'm butchering this story, but which I haven't even read myself, but I guess he like really believes in like, he only does like true material, like everything true, like real names. Like this, I, I <laughs> This might not be an accurate representation of this book, but like, what do you think of that? Of like the flip side of like, everything has to be true. Like, um, like not changing names and like stuff like that. Like, do you think that there's. I've done like, yeah, I've done the change names before, but the story actually like, if it's a, if it's a, this dating bit that I have, like the person, I think I used to do the first, the name of the guy who, put me set me up on a blind date mm-hmm. but then i i've i've since taken that out and the woman's name i don't uh say because i kind of don't remember now mm-hmm. <laughs> but so i don't i, I know it's not it, the name that i use isn't her name so stuff like that but like holding on to the emotional core 
of, of something like that's that's gonna i hope be there and then i've i've done stuff that's silly i'm not like all the time i'm mining yeah. my soul and i'm pulling my guts out mm-hmm. no it's not i'm not doing that but it's like i don't purport myself to be i am this person and i am this is who i am and i've never all these things are true mm-hmm. but it's a it's a taste thing, but the Kevin Hart for as far as Kevin Hart, like that's he's reached more of his success by as far as like specials are concerned, getting the result of telling his story, mm-hmm. telling stuff that actually happened to him makes him more relatable. Mm-hmm. Even though he is this rock star comedian, he's still what I do like about him, he's still like one of those dudes. I think you kind of see it. He talks about it in his stand up a lot too, but just mm, where he isn't afraid to be low status. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as like being the butt of a joke or where, you know, like to, to admit failure, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whether that's on screen, like in a movie or on stage, he's not, he's kind of fearless in in that regard. Like a Maria Bamford is like a prime example of just somebody who is like an alien when it comes to putting your guts and your soul on stage. I don't yeah. think any she's she's a one of one. And there's a level of courageousness that she has that prior had, you yeah. know, you know, so it's those are that's what I'm attracted to. And that's kind of like the the realm I'm trying to go in. Yeah. There's a balance. There's a balance with it. Like some people, I do wonder, like if they ever struggle with like regretting having said so. Because like when I was doing my orgasm show, I or during like the quarantine, I got I was like overcome with embarrassment about mm. the show, and I think I mean I guess it is a common thing when you're like a little earlier in comedy, you do tend to overshare sure or maybe um i mean it's kind of like the craft of oversharing a little bit but but i think i kind of overshared things that i then then regretted Uh, and so now i try to like strike the balance a little bit more yeah i i think i remember early on i was doing a show i was doing a show at carol caroline's i was maybe like four or five years old four five old four or five years and <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was I was a, a toddler I was a, I was a kid I was fucking killing it I was just starting preschool <laughs> yeah so I was I was doing my set and then like I got into like I like I don't know like you kind of open up a portal where I think I said a throwaway thing that got a hard laugh but I was too new at the time where I didn't know how to capitalize or go through that or go through that portal in order mm-hmm. to like really dig in and and it's like now I can do that but it's I think you just have those moments where you and and then it's like I think you're you might be like me in a lot of ways where you want to like I have this stuff I want to execute this is my list in my head I want to check this off but then at the same time I also want to be lucid I also want to be mm-hmm. able to to like go with the flow of certain things. So I just say that said that 
Caroline's story to just say, like, sometimes you do have those moments where you're like, oh, I'm reaching for something and it's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. But I know it. I know. I know there's something. And I just yeah. have to, like, pull. And I think that's the fun part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, was the throwaway thing that you said? Do you remember what it was? No, I th- but I think it was like a personal thing. Yeah. It was a personal thing that was kind of a, you know how these da 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 da, and it was just like, and the laugh was like, like really strong. Yeah. That's the, was, I, those are the best. Yeah. When the training wheels kind of come off for a little bit and you're like, oh, what what's going on here? Yeah. And I just didn't at the time, you know, I still, I still had a good set or whatever, but it was just like, oh, that's something else that could be explored. Maybe I'm not ready to tell, tell to go that far at that time, mm-hmm. or I wasn't ready to able to go that far, but yeah, I feel that a lot sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever regretted sharing something on stage? Uh, I think so. I don't think I was, well, yes, yes, and no. Because, ugh, I don't want to say it on the pod. You don't want to share it again. Because sometimes it's like, I mean, this is a this is a very modest podcast. I think I've I think I've done good work with talking to people, having great conversations. Like I feel like we're having one now, but it's like you never know who's going to listen. Who come you? So I'm just like, we talking about me? Yeah. But um, yes, there's one time. Okay, speaking of, so. I think I did that joke when we met at QED, the forensics joke, autopsy bit, like mm-hmm. where it was, it was about this brief relationship I had over the summer. And, and I did the show and I did like, I actually got a comment from an audience member said, yeah, that's kind of like a, you kind of went into some one man show territory a little bit. And I was like, oh, and I kind of take, I take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't self-indulgent where there were laughs coming from it. But anyway, I was off this out of this relationship or whatever it was. And I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to, like, kind of grapple with it on stage. And it was crushing. And I said some things that were. Kind of mean. To the person about the person, but she but I was hurt, too. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. And then I said to myself, I said, should I, should I have, I said, should I have said that? I said that to my friend and he was like, ah, this is fine, dude. And then something happened to where I saw, I, mm, I saw her at a, I saw her out with another dude and I said, ah, oh, that joke's staying in. <laughs> Cause it wasn't that, it wasn't that bad, but I'll, I'll yeah. tell you off mic. But yeah, yeah it, it's just one of those things where I kind of was like, ah, oh, do I feel bad about this or uh, this happened to me? And I I'm, I should be able to deal with it the way that I want to be, the way that I want to deal with it. But at the same time, not being malicious about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never want to feel like I'm like, um, I try to never talk about like other people. Well, first of all, in an identifying way. and. Mm-hmm in a way that would upset me if I was talked about. Right. That way. Right. Um, 
on stage. Um, I remember once I was like doing crowd speaking of things you regret it. it <laughs> people told me this wasn't that bad afterward. But once I was like doing crowd work and I like asked someone what they did for work and they were like, oh, I work in management consulting or something. And I was like, do you ever feel like you're wasting your life? <laughs> I like couldn't sleep afterward. I was like, oh my God, was that so mean? But what did uh, the person say? She she didn't seem upset by it. I think it was fine. I think she like laughed. Um, but I I just sometimes when I'm doing crowd work, I feel like I get a little like a little more um I I don't know what the right word is. Like I wouldn't ever say that like off stage. I was like, who am I right now? It's some, but see, <laughs> like, at the same people. time, like I know what I know what you mean, and, and yeah. maybe you agree or disagree with me, but like I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm I'm me, but as a stand-up, I'm I'm a heightened yeah. version of myself. Yeah, you're a heightened version. Yeah. So I don't I'm trying I'm trying to be the same off stage as I am the same on stage as I am off to be like conversationalist, like a conversationalist, but there is a heightened for there is a performance that's yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. So that's you. I mean, I would say you give yourself a little more credit. It's almost like it's almost like some fight or flight shit. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like you gotta say, Do you ever feel like you're wasting? Or you could because you could say, I feel like I waste in my life sometimes when I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, but if she wasn't fine. mad, then I th- yeah, I think it was fine. Everyone questions if they're wasting their life sometimes yeah like that life am, am i doing life right i asked yeah i asked that on saturday i did that bit on saturday and they were people were like yeah yeah you know so yeah i feel like everybody questions that yeah well i know you have to go you have to come back molly um yeah I- I'd love to come back. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not going to put the pressure. You have to come back. <laughs> but I know I, we, we, we kind of have an out and you have you have somewhere to be. Um, plug some stuff. You got a lot going on. Plug some things. I think I'll I'll just plug my my social media. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Molly underscore Brenner and TikTok at the same thing. And on Twitter at Molly Green Giant, do we still do or X X or whatever? I'll I'll post the the twit the X things on the in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, and I'll Instagram tag I'll tag you on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, Instagram and TikTok. Cool. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And your show, Good Girl Wednesdays. Oh yeah, Good Girl Wednesdays at Friends and Lovers in Crown Heights. Yeah, Molly, this has been a delight, as I thought Thank it would so be. Much. Thank you so much for doing it. Everybody, thank you for listening. And I will talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.